Good morning, everybody. It's great to see uh, all of you here today. My name is Troy Swanson. I'm the library department chair. Um, this event is part of our One Book, One College program, which is about a book called um, Seek You, which is about American loneliness. Uh, it's a graphic novel by an author named Kristen Radke, and it talks about this unique um, thing, and maybe what we're going to learn is not unique. I don't know. We're going to learn today. Uh, this unique thing about American culture of us wanting to be alone and rugged individualism and how that leads to certain kinds of outcomes of uh, undermining communities and us feeling isolated and things like that. And as part of our ongoing conversation over this year, um, we are broadening this out with our panel discussion today, talking um, about loneliness kind of on this global, bigger picture kind of perspective. So I greatly appreciate our faculty members who are here today, and they will introduce themselves. Thank you to, Sh to Shania for organizing this. Thank you all for coming, and I'll turn it over to Shania, who's moderating. Thanks. Okay. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Um, Ramadan Mubarak to all of my Muslim students here. Um, I know many of you are tired, and come on in. Come on in, have a seat. There's a couple sign-in sheets coming around. Yes. Okay. Come on in. So my name is Shania Gray, and I am a counselor here in the Counseling and Career Development Center. And I am pleased to have two of my colleagues up here today who will introduce themselves momentarily to you. Um, it's exciting to put this panel together. We are... Um, up here, we represent three different countries across the world, and so we wanted to bring to you our global perspectives um, about the topic of loneliness and really about community and connectedness. Um, one of the reasons we decided to put this panel together was because we recognize that at Moraine, we have a diverse student body. We have students who um, come from all over the world, frankly, and so we felt that many of you could relate to our experiences and could identify with some of our experiences. Um, so we thought we would get together um, to share some of our very own personal experiences um, with you here today and engage you in a conversation. Um, so I am going to uh, have my first colleague, uh, Ms. Annie Rasmussen, introduce herself and then we will go from there. You gotta get your mic on. Hello, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, yeah, so my name is Annie Rasmussen and I am, um, I'm actually the program coordinator of the Addiction Studies Program here at Moraine Valley, but I am here to talk about uh, loneliness from the perspective of a Dane, uh, because I'm from uh, Denmark and I moved here uh, into uh, on 9-11, um, um, so that was a pretty uh, significant day, obviously, for a lot of people. Um, since, um, I don't know how many of you know about Denmark, but I just real brief, uh, Denmark is a very small country in Northern Europe. It is um, about uh, twice the size of Massachusetts. And um, we have a population about um, about the size of Wisconsin and or like uh, uh, Colorado. We, um, yeah, <laughs> I guess that's uh, pretty much what I wanted like to say about Denmark. Um, so I'll pass it on to Nick for now. Okay. Oh, we don't like. Go on with this one slide. Okay. Sure. Sure. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, so, as I said, we moved here in 9/11. Uh, my family and and I back then, and uh, my children at that time they were five and eight years old. Um, my first uh, experience with the American system was mostly through the school system. Um, we moved to Virginia at that time, and uh, everything was kind of like um, out of the ordinary down there at that uh, time following 9-11. Um, but generally speaking, uh, my initial cultural experience with having my children in school uh, were like some of those were that there was a lot more conformity kind of like enforced in schools. 
in uh, Denmark, there's like more kind of like um, liberty to express personal freedom under responsibility. And um, as I put up there too, uh, <laughs> um, it's sort of like just a fun fact that we here on the panel have talked about that some of the other ones can relate to too. Like in my, con in my country, you know, like where if you were asking someone, if you're asking a Dane, like, how are you? You would actually get a longer account on like how they're actually doing, which I had to kind of like get uh, accustomed to here that that's uh, not expected. So, Thank you. <laughs> Nick. Hi. Um, I think I've got a couple slides. Maybe I could uh, turn to them. Um, uh, that one, awesome. Hi, everybody. Thanks for spending your Tuesday morning with us. Uh, my name is Professor Nick Shezis. Um, I'm a, I've, I've been a psychology professor here at Moraine for about 20 years. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the cultural perspective that I identify with, and that is uh, being a Greek American. Um, I do want to say I've never lived in Greece, though. I've uh, lived here all my life. Uh, aside from spending most of my summers, during, you know, up until my 20s. Uh, I still can't say that I ever lived there, but I'd like to tell you a little bit about Greece, which is where my family, all my family comes from. Um, I would say it's a medium-sized European, southern European country. Uh, you don't see it on this map, but it's, it's, it's right next to Italy. Um, but uh, Greece is about the same size as Illinois uh, in size, and population-wise too, but 12.5 million people in Greece. Uh, I'm sorry, 12.5 million in Illinois and 10.7 million here in Illinois, uh, and 12.5 million in Greece. Um, I'm totally getting that wrong. It's the other way around. Either way, they're almost identical. Uh, I do know that 17 million people visit Greece every year, which is crazy because more people visit there than people who actually live there, right? Uh, and I don't know if you find this interesting at all, but. Uh, the coldest it gets is 40 degrees Fahrenheit, right? It's kind of a tropical place, which is kind of cool. Uh, the United States has about 3 million Greek Americans living here. It's 1% of the total U.S. population. And uh, Chicago has about 180,000 180, Greeks, 2% of the, of the Chicagoland population, you know, where more people kind of gather. Um, but uh, that's the intro that I wanted to offer as kind of the perspective that I come from. It's interesting because, you know, my parents were born there and my parents knew nothing about the American culture. Now I'm expected to learn like a new culture, right? Uh, that, I, that, I, that my mom and dad know nothing about, right? Half of me is going to public school, learning all kinds of new things that my parents have no idea about. I think I told them at one point, you know, uh, that there's a park district, you know, kids uh, do sports and whatnot, and my parents are like, well, I don't know where that is. I don't know what that is, you know? Go get a job. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm eight. <laughs> I guess never too early. So, I mean, they had, you know, they had different, cultural, different cultural ideas. My, my parents will proudly talk about the children of my cousins who started working at 10 years old and drive cars at 10 years old and like, you know, that's not how things are here, mom. You know, it's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it, it was a total different, you know, uh, cultural experience that I had to kind of learn. So I, you know, I stood out a little bit from the other classmates, which I'll talk about. But, uh, but I wanted to uh, give the opportunity to, to, to Shania, uh, Professor Gray, to introduce herself. Yep, there's Greece. Yep, you might not recognize the other countries around it, but. It's a nice place. It's party, party island. Okay, everyone. So um, I will raise Nick's tropical of 40 degrees to <laughs> a minimum of 75 degrees. Amazing. Um, my name is Shania. So as I told you, I am from the small island of Barbados. Let me see a show of hands. How many of you have actually heard of Barbados? Okay. I know Rihanna <laughs> actually put us on the map a lot. Before that, everybody thought we were located in Jamaica. Um, which we're not. We're a completely different island. Um, so I came to the U.S. as an international student about 20 years ago. Um, and so I grew up in Barbados. My family is all still there. Um, and Barbados really is approximately 22,000 times smaller than the U.S. Um, and just to give you an idea, we're 0.14 times as big as Rhode Island, so we're a very small island. You could literally drive around the island in um, one day. So our population is 285,000 people. Um, we are between 75 and 90 all year round. I think recently we got maybe a little bit down about 70 at night and everybody was saying how cold it was. 
Um, so English is our official language. We were once a former colony, a former British colony, um, and primarily consists of the descendants of enslaved African people. So if you see here, Barbados is um, between, so Florida is at the top and um, South America is at the bottom, and we are the one of the most southerly, easterly Caribbean islands here along the island chain. Okay, um, so that's just a little bit of an introduction to myself and Barbados. So what we're going to do now, we're going to transition to a question about um, culture and connecting, right? Um, and so the question we're going to pose to the panel are, what are specific things in your culture that promote connectedness and community? As we compare cultures, um, as we look at the Danish culture, the Greek culture, and the Barbadian culture, and compare that with the American culture, we want to compare and contrast, you know, um, and so I want to ask the panel, what are those specific things, what are those social norms um, in your culture uh, of origin that really promote connectedness and community? So, Ani, let's start with you. Um, all right, yeah. So, um, as you can see up here, I, I, I actually I like start at the bottom um, with um, just letting you know that um, when foreigners visit Denmark, um, they they oftentimes will find that Danes are pretty reserved and a little bit hard to maybe get uh, in under the skin. With. Um, they are not very um, much into polite talk and small talk, um, and I we can maybe have time to talk a little bit, but. Um, so they are, um, uh, yeah, so the, the, if you need anything in Denmark, you would say that um, you would actually have to ask uh, for it. People are not just like automatically kind of stepping up and doing things for you. Um, that being said, when we are talking about uh, cultural uh, connectedness, we have a concept or we have a word for um, what maybe some of you, like I know there's a lot of psychology students here, like maybe you know um, Gemeinschaftsgefühl, that's a German word that Alfred Adler has in his kind of like um, vocabulary. And it basically uh, it means like uh, social interest. We have the same word just in Danish, which is very hard to <laughs> pronounce probably. Um, but uh, it, it encompasses more than just being together and just uh, building community at a sort of like more uh, organizational level. It is really, um, it can be just between two between two people, and um, it can be, and it usually is like very intimate, and basic, like a form of uh, togetherness. And um, we, most of you might have heard, or I don't know, have any of you heard about the concept of hygge? No, 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 you. All right, uh, it's it's kind of like a little bit of a boss word out there if you Google it. Um, but, um, and I don't want, like, as a Dane, take, uh, you know, uh, credit for having invented this. This is like anything, like, uh, you know, that people all over the world have different kind of, like, forms of this, uh, I know. Um, but uh, in, in Scandinavia as a whole, we do have this hook concept, which is, like, an intimate kind of, like, cozy uh, environment. And uh, it's, it's, it's also, like, not just something that is established between people but actually the whole kind of like um, atmosphere in a certain place. And um, there's another uh, thing about the Danish uh, society where um, I would say um, the structure of the Danish welfare system is like built in a way so that there's like a really great work-life uh, life balance. And um, that kind of like helps families and anybody who wants to kind of like get back home cook a meal and be together to actually have time to do that. Uh, and people mostly eat at home going out. And I think um, in hindsight, like being here, I, um, I think that when people are inviting people into their homes, it kind of like breaks another layer of privacy uh, and um, in a good way, um, so so that's the way that we get to know each other by actually uh, stepping into each other's homes instead of just meeting outside. 
um, I think that's, uh, I will stop there and pass it on to Nick now. Oh, yeah, there I go. I'm sorry. Nice, nice I just picture. have a couple of, a couple of pictures here of, of the concept of Hugo. That's nice. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm sorry. I have a, the slides are coming in a little bit of a different order than I thought they would be. Oh, <laughs> but uh, like also Danes like really, really value being outside. They're not, uh, they're, you know, they're saying like there's uh, no such thing as being like not dressed for the weather. Um, so they, they just dress for the weather. They're outside all year round, basically. Um, over 50% of all people that commute in Copenhagen, which is the capital city of Denmark, they will actually commute by bicycles. And they have a highly developed uh, infrastructure to do that, like even highways over car highways and all kinds of things. So, um, so being outdoors uh, is something that is also emphasized and valued and appreciated and they do a lot to maintain a healthy and green uh, environment. Um, and and that's the way that, that Danes get together too, being out there. And as you can see from this picture, um, there's a high, high level, or maybe you can't see, but I'll tell you that there's a high level of trust uh, in Denmark. Uh, you can leave things many places without risk of having it stolen. And likewise, with like bicycles and stuff, um, you know, people just leave them there. Like they lock them or whatever. But it's like a little bit like maybe you've heard about Canada where you can, you don't have to lock your door when you leave home necessarily because it's safe enough. Um, so, um, yeah, and this is a picture just from uh, the middle of Copenhagen. Right. Is that my last slide? Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, that's great. All right. You don't have to Passing lock your on doors. to Nick. That's really cool. Yeah. It reminds me, uh, I don't want to take up time here. Years ago, I traveled to a, to a small little island in Greece. Uh, we didn't really know anybody there, and uh, my daughter was getting real tired, and she was probably four or five years old. and. The waiter said, just, you know, put her in your car. Nothing's going to happen to her. I'm like, are you sure? And uh, that's kind of how the cultural standards are in some parts of the world, right? I mean, kind of felt bad doing it, but we did. <laughs> I don't know what Erickson would say about that, but anyway. Uh, uh, so in, in, in the Greek culture, Greek-American culture, there's this word called philotimo. Uh, it's two words, that, you know, that kind of come together. Philo means friend, and, and timo means to honor something. So... Uh, there's this, uh, I don't know, it's, uh, it's part of the Greek culture, and like I said, it, it like, technically means to honor your friends. So when you mesh it together, it means to like, have humility, to stand for injustice, to do the right thing, to be, have pride, but no ego, and to have respect for life, and to have respect and integrity for your neighbors and your community members. And you know, it's again, having, making the right choices for your community, being hospitable to others, doing the right thing, not asking for rewards. I mean, it's much like social interest. I mean, it's almost exactly like what Adler talked about for social interest, you know? Um, and so with a cultural standard of like having filotimo in your culture, it's easy to see how it lends itself to community and togetherness because, you know, people look out for each other, uh, you know, uh, certainly, in, in, in Greece, yeah, I guess suppose with the Greek Americans too, but uh, not to say that that's not the case here in the United States. I mean, uh, I mean we've banded together during certain times, but uh, I, living here all my life, I mean, it is the, the states are a little more of a uh, individualistic society, and I, I see Greece as more of a collectivist society. Uh, caring for the community and the people around you seems to be more important than the individual needs of people. Um, but whenever I travel overseas, um, I'm going to flip to the next slide, uh, uh, and, and I use the word pilotimo <coughs> um, when I think about my family and friends overseas. Um, but everybody is so hospitable, and you know, and when we gather, you know, we eat, we drink, uh, wine sometimes that we made ourselves. You know, we listen to music, we dance, we have lively discussions. And the main goal of getting together with people is to like have happiness, relaxation, and like big spirit. And the word for like having spirit is called kefi. And like when you get together, the point is to like create kefi with each other. There's a restaurant on 122nd Street in Harlem called Kefi too. And so, uh, you know, I guess suppose they want you to have spirit in there as well when when you go. Uh, but anyway, but it's a culture that celebrates life 
and friends. And again, having lived all my life in the United States, you know, I've lived in the southwest suburbs all my life. Um, that's, you know, that, that's not always the point in life here, uh, at least where I've lived. You know, the meaning of life is, you know, I suppose should be about getting together and celebrating life. But, you know, I've noticed at least here that life revolves around working and being productive and being busy and trying to reach your financial goals and making money and trying to get ahead and spending time with others, you know, isn't always, isn't always the priority. Uh, and, and I'll say a couple more things, you know, like how the Greek culture connects to, 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 to like avoiding loneliness. Now, you know, my parents came from Greece. Uh, we're from a very small island on the south, southeast part of Greece called Ikaria, uh, I-K-A-R-I-A. Uh, and it's about 100 square miles, not very big. It's got about 8,500 8, residents. And by the way, Illinois has 12.7 million people. I just figured that out, right? Greece has a little bit, two, 2 million people less, so uh, even though they're the same size. But either way, it's uh, the island that my family comes from is one of the seven blue zones of the world, right? Okinawa, Japan being one of them. It's where people live over 100 years old, right? Uh, and so my, my folks moved back there, you know, hopefully they'll make it to 100, you know, and beyond. Um, but people on that island will generally make you feel welcome, happy, they'll make you feel connected, uh, which is why a lot of people come and travel to the island that we live on. Um, if you spend time on that island, and I don't think this is unique to, to Ikaria, I think it's, there's a lot of places, and Shania might uh, talk about this as well, people don't live by the clock on the island that my mom and dad come from. Um, they spent, you know, and they spend time on relationships. They walk, they relax, they enjoy life. There's this joke. I forgot to bring my mug. There's this mug that I have. It has, you know, uh, it's like one o'clock in England. It's, you know, nine o'clock in Russia, seven o'clock in the United States. But the but the Greek clock, the Ikaria clock, has no hands on it, <laughs> which is kind of nuts, you know. And I really get used to that, you know, when my cousins and family would show up like an hour late to stuff. I was there on the minute, right, and waiting for <laughs> waiting for everybody to get together. I mean, I didn't realize that's just how that culture is. Uh, but anyway, if you travel to that island, people are smiling, they socialize and whatnot. People stop by my parents' house all the time. They just kind of walk in, uh, you know, you, you see people on the beach in the daytime, you gather at nighttime at the town square. Um, People gather all, you know, all, pretty much all the time. People come to your house unannounced, um, and they just walk by and say hello. L loneliness just doesn't seem to be a big issue, at least on that island. Um, and uh, people are just a lot more connected. I, whenever I go visit my family and I go run errands, it, like it takes me like three times the amount because I run into people all the time. And 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 like Annie, like you were saying, you know, my pe my friends and family and other people who haven't seen me say, you know, Nick. How you been, right? And I want to say, yeah, you know, I'm okay. I got to get going, you know. And and that's rude because, you know, they want to they want to chat with me. When they ask me how I'm doing, it's not just a hello. You know, they legitimately want to, like, something that you know that you got to get used to over there as well. Uh, so anyway, folks, uh, that's all I wanted to share. Like I said, li living here all my life, uh, I've never lived anywhere else. Um, I always forget how generous and kind and whatnot people are. Again, not to say that people in the states are are, are not like that. Uh, uh, not that Chicagoans are not friendly, but people generally just don't stop and talk to you and engage with you unless they know who you are. And that's kind of what the cultural standards here, you know. You might even say, you know, then if Greece was so nice, Nick, you know, why'd your parents leave? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and I think about that, you know. I mean, I like where we came from, but I also like the United States too. Um, there's not a lot of job opportunities out there. Yeah, and uh, uh, the doctor, like the top doctor, makes sixty to eighty thousand dollars, and that's considered a lot of money in Greece. And uh, and you know, electricity is high, the gas is high. Uh, yesterday we spoke how a gallon of gas, at least in Greece, costs eight dollars and sixty-three cents, like a whole gallon, because they sell it by liters out there. And uh, well, it's not a lonely place. <laughs> like that's the big trade-off. Like you get your togetherness, but like you know, there's other struggles. Shania. Thank you, Nick. And this is your family? Yeah, yeah, that's my family. I'll talk a little bit about, like, you know, when we immigrated here and, you know, I had to learn the language at five years old. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's them. Pops is on the bottom, you know. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. everybody's happy. All right. Okay, so to talk a little bit about community and connectedness in Barbados, I'm going to start off actually playing a song for you um, just to show you.
Okay. So, can you hear me? Can I just say one thing? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Unscripted. Uh, I just love music because it's such a universal language, right? Yes. I mean, like, there's nothing that connects us like music. It's I true. Just have to say that. It's true. Okay. So one of the reasons, so actually, Mikey, um, we went to high school together. He's a, a friend. He's a Calypso singer at home, but... Um, this was a song I, I recently came across of his. He talks about, if you didn't understand, when you talk about riches, right? He talks about his friends and family, and that's what really matters, right? And a lot of our values are often expressed in um, music and, and sound and the arts. And so this is exactly what is communicated here as we talk about um, community and connectedness, right? So when I talk about growing up on an island, um, an island, Barbados is a super small island. So I guarantee even today when I land at a Grantley Adams International Airport, I will see somebody I know. If I'm at the grocery store, I will see somebody I know. Um, driving all over, you always see, I hear, we use our car horns, beep beep, and it's usually somebody you know, you're shouting at, you're saying, hey, how you doing? And it's just, it's, it's very communal, a very community and co collective culture. So even if you are, um, by yourself, you're still not alone. Um, it's not unusual to, to, to befriend strangers or talk, start talking to people at the grocery store, you know. Um, usually you speak to everybody you see. So I had to actually adjust in moving here to the U.S. because I was like, wait, nobody's saying hi, nobody's speaking. Like, it's unusual for you to talk um, to people you don't know. But that was normal in my culture. So um, we are... We are a, a more uh, collective culture, and um, sorry, let me try to fast forward from this. And um, so this is a picture here. Uh, this is my sister in the middle, left. So in like five, less than five days, my 12-year-old um, was 12, and I, I invited my friends and family to come on out um, when we were there last summer, and everybody just came, you know, um, Community matters and family really matters in Barbados. And this was me um, with some of my old high school friends while I was there as well. Um, what what the island culture really does promote more community. We're smaller, so we can get to each other quickly. And stopping by is not unusual. Um, one of the things I had to adjust to when I came here was that I often have to make plans ahead of time. Like I can't just call up my friend and say, hey, what you doing? Can I come over? That uh, That is not a norm, a social norm here in the American context as much as it is um, on the island, right? So here we tend to focus a lot on time, time-orientedness. I was just um, telling my colleagues yesterday, you know, a lot of times, um, time really we, we do sacrifice a lot because like if I'm having a conversation with somebody and it's really important and then I have to cut them off say okay I gotta go I gotta go to this meeting it's really hard right where we prioritize um in poly what you call polychronic cultures we will tend to prioritize like just people and and task and so on and so the island uh, islands we tend to focus a little and it's proximity you know you realize that some of the structures so uh, people do work even though people may work Monday to Friday you know it's it's a little less demanded we are a more laid-back culture you know everything is closer and just some of the social norms that allow you almost everything is closed on Sundays and and it just allows you um, to embrace people and community a little bit more um, so I want to spend one minute if anybody anybody um, want to share is anybody want to share their uh, perspective about their culture and community and connectedness. So is anybody from a culture, anybody want to share um, any experiences they've had with community and connectedness in any any of their cultures? Does anybody want to share? We would love to hear from the audience if anybody has a, if one or two people. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm half Thai. My mom's from Thailand, and then she came when she was younger. Um, so with the Thai experience, very similar to like a lot of your cultures. It's like a very collectivism. Um, you connect with a lot of people in your community. I kind of, and for us, a lot of Asian cultures too. We connect through like food. You have like a lot of family style meals, 
And it's interesting when it comes to American perspective, because like you guys said, it's very individualistic and you kind of more look at yourself and more like to your close friends and family than everyone around you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anybody else and one more person want to share? Okay. Yeah, so we hear different cultural perspectives, right, about when we talk about loneliness and connectedness, right? And so the next question I really want to pose to my panel is, before we engage you more, is um, how did your lived experiences shape you? So how did growing up in these cultural contexts, even though, like for Nick, it was a subculture because you grew up here from the time you were five, but ultimately your parents were Greek and you spent a lot of time there. How did these experiences shape who you are, your values, and even impact your sense of belonging um, and your views on loneliness? So how did they shape you? Jenny. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I can say that for um, for me in the Danish society, um, there is a high uh, focus on social justice, and as I'm kind of like indicated before, like environmentalism. So um, very early on in school, uh, I got involved in different kind of like um, student councils and stuff like that to kind of like have influence. It it was encouraged, and um, and also, uh, generally, it is encouraged to um, be informed and be like participating in interest groups in the society. People generally feel like they're close to where the decisions are being made, even like younger people too. There's a, a high number of of, uh, of people in Denmark that are affiliated with like different kind of like uh, political organizations and grassroots organizations and things like that. And that's also like where I, it, uh, when I was like much younger, <laughs> uh, and I was living there before I had kids, I was very much involved with all of that. And that, that gave me a sense of purpose and uh, a shared kind of like um, purpose with my peers, my peers too. Um, I want to like say too that um, uh, generally, um, as I mentioned uh, before, um, the the way that the, um, the the system is structured in Denmark, they they really offer a lot of like kind of like work life balance and 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 it's a little bit different. I, I think from what I hear, Nick and and Shania kind of like uh, share because uh, I hear that it's it's more focused on what the families kind of like create and in, in your two kind of like cultures. Whereas Denmark, I'm, I, I'm not sure why this has come around, but uh, Denmark is kind of like more of um, uh, the, it's the whole society there where like kind of like everybody's one big family in a way. Uh, and um, for instance, like uh, there's a, they, they do a lot to minimize the income gap between people so that those who have like a little less, you know, they get more uh, than those who have a lot. So there's a lot of uh, redistribution of wealth there to kind of like help everybody get along in, uh, in their life and move on in their life. And uh, also in terms of um, the, the, the time spent with family, there's a, there's a one year kind of like parental um, maternity leave uh, and uh, like paid. And there is like uh, six weeks of paid vacation, no matter what you were employed as. Uh, and um, they're like the full time work week is 37 hours. Uh, you know, so people really have more time to get home and uh, cook and be with the people that they want to be with and sit in front of that fireplace that I had a picture no of. <laughs> and um, yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. that, that's, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that has influenced me growing up, uh, valuing those kind of things in, and being here in the United States. Um, I can only talk about this as what we are doing right now, right? Um, but um, I, I also realized that the United States is a much, much bigger country um, and uh, a very diverse country. It's a beautiful country. I am happy uh, for the experiences that I, I've had here, uh, but there's a lot of things that I think could uh, 
bring us more together than we than we are. Um, but it's it's a it's a big task because it's a big country. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Annie. Nick. Thank you, Annie. What about you? Well, how did it shape me? Well, I mean. I think I moved to Burbank, I guess, when I was maybe four months old. I, we lived in, we lived in uh, Maryland. I was born in Maryland. And then my mom and dad wanted to come to Burbank because my mom had a couple cousins here, right, because she was lonely in, in, in Washington. So we came here. But I, I'd have to say, growing up in Burbank, uh, I was, we were probably one of the only immigrant families at that time. Uh, it's probably changed now. But at that time, uh, it was uh, because of that, I think I stood out a little bit for a lot of reasons. And there was a little bit of loneliness because of that. I mean, I didn't speak English. Uh, I, I only spoke Greek. Uh, I, th I believe that I started to learn English when I was in kindergarten, uh, and maybe first grade. Um, and uh, my mom and dad didn't know anybody else who wasn't from our culture, right? Well, they didn't know the language. So, the, I mean, if they knew, you know, if, if, if Greece was an English-speaking language, it would have been a lot easier for them to assimilate and for us to assimilate, right? So I didn't really know anybody else. My religion was kind of different. I mean, people know what's Greek Orthodox. I'm like, ah, it's you know, kind of like Catholic, but you know, different calendar. You know, it was it was so it was it was strange. You know, and and like most of the kids that I went to school with in Burbank, uh, you know, most of them were in sport activities. You know, and I always wondered, I'm like, you know, you guys are in sports activities on the weekends and in the afternoons. My mom and dad make me study all day. You know, and and they sent me to Greek school on on Sunday mornings from like nine o'clock until four p.m. And then I have to go to Sunday school. You know. On top of that, so I was in school seven days a week, right? Uh, and studying the rest of my time when I was home, you know, and all the kids would kind of make fun of me a little bit, you know, dude, why you study so much? I mean, I became a professor, you know, so it worked out. <laughs> no, no, in that aspect. Uh, but uh, anyway, other stuff made us stand out too, you know, so I was a little bit lonely just because, you know, uh, uh, but again, to my parents' credit, you know, the, you know we weren't, we weren't, so, they weren't socialized here. And, uh, and so, um, with that stated, I, want, I needed to overcome that loneliness. So I worked really hard. I did. So how did it shape me? It made me work harder to learn the language, to be a good writer, and to, do, and, and to be able to fit in. I learned how to socialize with people. I learned how to tell jokes. I learned how to be funny. We have a question. OK. And, and so I worked really hard to overcome that kind of stuff. And, and that makes me really sensitive today to being an, an inclusive person. But we have a question in the back. So What about uh, Saturday? What about Saturday? Yeah. What do you mean by, about Saturday? Saturday? Oh, yeah, yeah. Saturday was Greek school. Oh, okay. <laughs> seven days a week. Yeah, no, legit. I was in school seven days a week. Uh, <laughs> and so my parents didn't really give us the opportunity to socialize with anybody else. And after Greek school was over, my, my, legit, my dad said, you know, after I graduated in eighth grade, he was, you know, you got to start working now. I'm like, and so I did. I started working like at like my freshman year of high school. So I, I, I worked through my loneliness by working every weekend, like working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, which was okay, you know. Um, but uh, so today I'm really sensitive, folks, really sensitive to making sure that people are included around me, right, whenever I'm in a group, because I know what that feels like, right? Uh, my wife and I have taught our daughter to be inclusive uh, and not be clicky, because like I said, I know kind of what that feels like. Uh, so, you know, she has kids come over. I'm like, dude, invite those other kids. She's like, Dad, you know, no one talks to them. I'm like, yeah, but dude, you should talk to them, right? Make sure that they come over. Like, you know, how would you feel if they left you out? So, I, like, you know, I, I, try to be, I try to be really aware of that. And, you know, my daughter, you know, I don't know, I guess she resents it a little bit that, she, that we force her a little bit to go talk to the people that nobody hangs out with, you know? But I want her to be sure that she's an inclusive person because, like I said, I know firsthand what that could be like. And anyway, she's pretty good about that. And in my classroom, because we talked about this during one of our planning discussions, uh, so if you're in my class, you know we do a lot of like speak to the people at your table, right, and kind of like small, small communities in the class just to make sure that everybody's kind of heard. And sometimes you'll have a student who sits in the back, uh, you, know, they're not, you know, their table mates haven't showed up, and I'll make sure that the students in front of them turn behind to make sure that, you know, that they ask uh, people like that. Uh, like I said, I don't want anybody flying solo or to, or to feel alone in class. Uh, but anyhow, but that's kind of how it shaped me. Uh, it's made me more aware of people that are not included. So I don't know. That's good. Thank you. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for giving Nick. me the opportunity. Yeah. Shania. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's fascinating as Nick points out, right? So our, we don't often think about our values or our culture, but our values and our culture shape who we are. It shapes what we do. It shapes how we teach in the classroom. It shapes how we operate in life, the lens. And so for me, um, before I left home, home was just home, I just knew 
um, Beijing ways and culture, but coming to the U.S., then I was juxtaposed. It was juxtaposed to what, against what I grew up with, and I started to discover that feeling of loneliness. Like I couldn't just call up a friend and go over to their house, or I couldn't just go here or there. It really, for me, um, and I found for others too who immigrated, it really was a lonely experience, right? So it's very focused on kind of, you know, individualism and independence, which, which is considered a value of American culture. It was really focused on that. And when I didn't have any family here, um, it was super, super hard. And so for me, what I realized is just to, to give you an idea, right now I'm doing a doctorate in community psychology <laughs> with the emphasis community, right? So community means everything to me. Um, I've found that um, my values now are continue to be shaped by people, by community, by bringing people together, right? Um, you know, I was able to form um, this mom's group um, in my neighborhood on Facebook, and this came out of feeling lonely. Um, we formed, my neighbor and I, we formed a group called Moms of Beverly for moms to get together and play and meet up and so on. Now we're about 6,500 women. And I have some amazing friends I've met from that group. Um, we come together with our kids. We do a lot. Um, and I've met a lot of wonderful people in my community. And so because of that, like I, I don't feel as lonely anymore, but it really was like I had to be really intentional here about um, creating that sense of community for me. And so what I think about how it shaped me, you know, um, I, I try my best to prioritize people. And so even some things I do out of the norm. So like there are times where I might make a meal for somebody or give somebody something and they wanna give me like, oh, how can I pay you for it? And I'm like, no, you don't have to pay me. You know, most recently I met this young lady and, and, and people here think I'm crazy, but I met this young lady, a, a young mom in Walmart, um, not far from me and she was struggling, looking for something. She just got on her own. We talked for a little while, I drove her home and I've been in touch with her ever since, right? People think, oh my gosh, she picked up a stranger. But these were kind of the values like I, that was instilled in me. So really and truly, you can think about how what you grew up with shaped who you are and how you see the world today. So as we, we go on, I wanted, we wanted to spend a few minutes talking to you here, right? We didn't just want to talk to, um, talk at you. So just to think about what could we do today um, in the U.S. to diminish feelings of loneliness and isolation? Um, where and how do we create opportunities to meet and make connections? What are we seeking when we seek other people? And just anybody wants to share their experiences. Um, when we talk about community and connected, connectedness as opposed to loneliness, um, I wanna open it up for you uh, to share any experiences or to maybe answer one of the questions. So anybody wants to share? Yeah, like what, uh, what have our students done to diminish feelings of loneliness and how have you made connections? How have you, yeah, like where did you find your connections? Um, so this is more just a uh, question for you guys, because um, on the panel, you guys were talking about how a lot of people who come from other countries come here for like better opportunities, a lot usually financial opportunities. So I kind of wanted to ask like if a lot of countries are also very collectivist and like very like we're going to help the community and not just ourselves, while the U.S. is kind of interesting as like its own kind of thing of being individualistic, do you think that some of the... Um, individualistic like ideologies here in America come from like uh, a lot of immigrants coming here wanting just opportunities for themselves like for themselves and their for like their families I don't know if I have the right answer for you here I mean I, I just think it's I think collectivist countries t it, it 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 lends itself to that I think because of the uh, homogeneity, the, the, you know, they're, hom they're homo homogenous, right? And we're not as homogenous here, right? And, you know, we're vastly different in a lot of our cultural standards, our beliefs, and whatnot. Even the neighbors next to me uh, are, are, are pretty different, right? And... Uh, 
I won't go into it, but you know, I tried to meet one of my neighbors once, and they kind of gave me the side eye, like, "Where are you from?" I'm like, "Wow, I'm from Burbank," you know. Like, no, no, where are you really from? I'm like, dude, I'm from Burbank. That's where I came from, you know. I said, oh, "My parents are from Greece." Oh, that's what I meant. I'm like, "Well, how did you know?" You know, I mean, yeah. And so, uh, so there might be a level of trust sometimes. So I, I just think like it's it's possible then when people look like you, you know, there might be like this inherent trust, and and we might distrust people that don't look like us or don't speak like us, you know, and, and that could be why you notice the difference. That could be. I, can I add a little thing? Like, um, so first of all, I think it's an excellent, excellent question. And uh, I'll, I'll think more about it and even like start researching it now. Um, yeah, great qu question. Um, but and I, I I couldn't help but sit sit in here and think about uh, the, the like the division and like in um, you know the people that actually immigrate em, emigrate and immigrate like uh, between countries, um, and um, you know we have to recognize that there are a lot of refugees that uh, are are immigrating immigrating for. Um, out of sheer need uh, for safety, you know, to just simply stay alive uh, often. Um, so they're sort of like in a category by themselves, right? And then there are the more kind of like uh, economic, uh, economically or financially kind of like motivated immigrants. Um, I do think that uh, I was sitting here thinking like, um, you know, somebody would not immigrate to Denmark for financial reasons <laughs> because they would be asked to share the cake. <laughs> but so there's like, like there might be like I I, I don't have the, the the facts, but there might be some uh, uh, truth to that. Some come here for financial reasons. Certainly more so, I would think that they would come to Denmark for financial reasons. But then on the other hand. I know for a fact, because I did work with a lot of refugees back in Denmark once upon a time, and I know for a fact that a lot of refugees would come there, especially because they know that they have a well-established uh, healthcare system and welfare system that would take care of them as they integrate. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, I, I have a quick answer theory to your question. So the American culture is primarily and its systems and structures are primarily based on a Western European model and a Western European culture um, for the most part I think tends to be very individualistic and so um, when you have that primary model that is and, and then you have subcultures right so because we have you know like we have our Arab American students we have our African American mm -hmm. populations we have our Latino American populations and other subcultures actually and I see a lot of students navigate this right because you're navigating and Nick went through this so you have your family your culture of origin whether you were born there your family was born there and they have a lot of values and expectations around that and then you're navigating the American norms and the American cultural norms right and so there's this consistent conflict about those pieces right and I've even felt it being here, right? You're constantly, okay, what is the right blend? What am I supposed to do? What are my values uh, because of these things? But I really do think a lot of the individualistic piece seems to come from that Western European norm. And we have different subcultures that don't value it as much because Eastern um, and Afri African cultures and, and, and um, a lot of Eastern cultures tend to be more collectivist. So that would be my answer. Um, any other questions? Anybody want to take a shot at one of these questions as well? We have some over here. Our thoughts? So uh, to take a shot at the first two questions, actually, I would say that the one of the best ways we could probably do it is getting rid of homework. <laughs> we laugh. How do you learn? <laughs> we laugh. We laugh. But in all honesty, if we look at, say, Finland, they don't have homework. Mm. And they have the best education in the world. They have pretty much amazing connectedness. They actually care about their society. They actually create cultural norms that are, you know, encouraging connectedness. So if we're stuck at home doing eight hours of homework a day, can't really do that, can we? They might not have homework, but I know they have papers. <laughs> your, what, is, what is your name? Jacob. Jacob. You know, we laugh, but there is a lot of truth to what you say. I think part of when we think about structural norms and social norms, right, because we value so much productivity in a, a very capitalist culture, right? right, right so right, from right, school right. to work, 
those are the values. So what happens is that even if we want to be more connected, you know, when I went around my class just now, we talked about time and values and so on, right? School and work were some of the top priorities. And we say to our students, those should be your priorities. Well, says who, right? Your family should also be your priority. Social wellness should be your priority. And so, yes, so I, I agree with you to some extent in that we really have, even as those with power, like in the classroom or in other places, if we want to bring communities and bring people together and think about social wellness, then we're going to have to revisit and rethink think about the systems that we've put in place that hinder and cause barriers to that opportunity to socialize and for social wellness. Any other comments or questions? This is great conversation. Mm -hmm. Somebody else had their hand up. Um, yeah, I think I saw a hand too. Somebody had their yeah. hand up. Maybe one or two more before we conclude. Would, any, would anybody be able to answer how they found their community? Or what your experience has been? What, what are you doing to, yeah, connect? Thank you. Thank you for your questions. Um, for me, like I'm half Thai, so I kind of, like initiate, like when I was young, I initiated, like I want to learn about the Thai culture, and for me, it kind of made me connect into the Thai community. Um, my mom would take me to uh, my Thai temple and we would, I would go to school on Sundays. And then I developed a love for um, Thai dancing. So then I would go to practice on Saturday. So similar to yours, where I was like just going through like some kind of school or some kind of learning every single day. Monday through Friday was like English school. And then Saturday, Sunday was committed to like Thai community things. Okay, thank you, thank you. Any final thoughts? Did anybody else have any thoughts or questions? And just to share, oh, we have a hand. Okay. Got a hand back there. <laughs> Yusuf? Yeah, so one thing that I found that worked really well is that, like, in finding, like, a community, you kind of need friends, right? And to, like, get friends, you just kind of have to be the friend. So you can't mm -hmm. just sit around expecting people to invite you over to things. You got to, like, tell people, be like, yo, you want to go to, like, a game or something or whatever. You know, throw your own parties and eventually you'll build a community off of that. Wow, that's wonderful. Sure, it's a great example. Yeah. Take the initiative. Mm -hmm. Create the culture, right? right. Create, exactly. yeah. yeah. Yeah, Shani, you did that. I mean, yeah. uh, you created your, uh, your Facebook moms group, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that became, you know, you created something that, that everybody kind of came together yeah, with and now, it's, and now it's grown into its own. Yeah, I was really struggling, right? I was lonely virgin on the I would tell people like feeling almost depressed because I've missed my community, my friends, my family. It's hard. It's hard to be in another country. It's hard to be away from your, well, you've known your whole life, your friends and family. So I needed to do something, right? And so even today, like with my kids, um, you know, our house is the house where the kids on the block can come over to and we have a trampoline and other things in our backyard. So they know they could just come over and play so yes so and on campus just to share we have different places for you if you want community right student life has a lot of activities um we have our multicultural student affairs office right i send students up there all the time our trio student support services offices these are offices where a lot of our students will go hang out we have different clubs that you can participate mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. um and even if you just want to come by and talk to us too in the counseling center where we're there at S202, you know, we could brainstorm about community, right? Because it really is important to all of us. We don't often think about it, um, but it affects our health, our wellness, our mental health. It affects, you know, how we feel, you know, it can even affect our academics and how we perform. So, you know, if we have any takeaways um, we wanna leave you with, um, it would be some of those. Um, what other final takeaways would you leave them with, Nick or Ani? Well, one takeaway that I think I want to suggest to everybody is to volunteer somewhere. Volunteer somewhere. It's a great way to build your community because you volunteer and you work with somebody or other people who care about the same thing that you do, whatever it is that you kind of volunteer in. I mean, uh, when I was a Moraine Valley student, you know, I mean, I knew some of the 
Greek Americans from the cult, you know, from my neighborhood, uh, some of the other kids from Revis. Not too many Revis kids had come here at that time. Uh, but I think we had a music club here that I joined, right? And so I got to meet people, and I still hang out with them. I still talk to them, even 30 years later. And then when I transferred over to UIC, uh, I got involved in their, in their radio station, and I still hang out with my radio station friends. And, and I did research work there to, like, be with other psychology students. And so if you think about what you care about, I would recommend volunteering. I mean, I recommend that to students. I recommend that to the, to the clients that I see uh, who struggle with loneliness. Like, that's my big takeaway. Go volunteer somewhere. Not only will you enjoy doing it, and it's going to be a stress reliever, but you'll meet people that are kind of like-minded, too. That's my big takeaway. I would definitely uh, agree with you, Nick. And um, just add maybe generally to that, that just remember that there's no right or wrong kind of like culture or way of living, really, as long as you're not harming anybody. Um, you know, every culture has has their reasons to organize themselves in the way that they, they have, have organized themselves in, right? And so, like, I think it's also important to be aware and, like, explore your own background, uh, mm -hmm. to look into your own culture, uh, to learn more about maybe your own biases, those kind of things, and then be more open or be open to learning about other cultures uh, and, and knowing about your own uh, can kind of, like, help uh, facilitate that process of, of of understanding and be more kind of, like, embracing other cultures as well. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, basically be pragmatic. <laughs> mm -hmm. Thank you. And yeah, and my last takeaway is just, you know, make a friend right next to you. Say hi to the person next to you right now. Say hi, right? Meet a friend in class, meet a friend in the U. Go say hi to somebody, right? You don't know um, this person's situation, but just say hi, make a friend, you know, it's harder at college, you're not in high school. But let's continue, you know, to embrace each other and really think about community and coming together, right? <laughs> we are stronger together and it really does take a village, you know, and we can help each other and that's really, really important. So thank you all for uh, coming out today. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Shania, my table mates are friends. Yeah, they're friends. Uh, thank, you. thank you for coming out. This yeah. is this is wonderful, and thank you for listening. And uh, and no, thank I you appreciate everyone. It. Any more questions? Yes. Anybody? We'll be you know, here. You can talk to. Uh, yeah, sorry, feel free to come wants up. To stay. Yes. Um, if anybody didn't sign in my sign-in sheet uh, for my uh, personality course, uh, I'm not sure where the clipboard is, but the clipboard might be back there somewhere. Thank you. Thank you. You guys were great. You guys were great. Thank you. Um,